Hi, Miles. Hello, Julie. Um, it is March, and uh, I'm excited to start talking about Pride now because this you, is the time. You are, and this is when the time. you said that you were excited about talking about Pride, then I myself became quite impassioned, even though a few months out feels like 10 years away um, in my brain. Yes, but we know that um, the focus groups have begun (laughs) talking about, the affinity groups have begun talking about uh, planning for their Pride Months. So I thought this might be a good time to weigh in on it before we see all the rainbow candy wrappers and then the outrage about them. (laughs) And maybe we could just like offer some reflections ahead of time to help people navigate. Yes. Uh, what is going to come? I, it, I just realized when we hopped on that we should talk about maybe our first Pride, uh, big Pride experiences, <laughs> because as Together. you know, I have a <laughs> I have a significant one. <laughs> I I do know that. So maybe you could start by by sharing that reflection, um, and then I'll add any uh, additional polite commentary that (laughs) comes up for me. Okay, well, uh, I think some listeners may or may not identify with feelings that I carried with me into my first specifically Pride Parade experience. It was 2014. It was in San Francisco. It was Pride Month. And I was leaving a roundtable discussion with a group of evangelical influencers and thought leaders who were conservative and who wanted to sort of figure out how to navigate conversations around LGBTQ rights in light of religious freedom laws. What were they doing in San Francisco? I think that's a question I never had answered for me in 2014. Well, there was, this was another focus group type experience with like white papers and (laughs) they did a number of these in strategic cities, quote unquote. (laughs) I know one was in New York. One was in San Francisco. I believe there was one maybe in like the Midwest or maybe, I I don't know, but you know, it's possible. It's likely. Um, anyway, I was, I I had been the only gay person, the only, one of only two women at this group. And I left that experience of feeling alienated in a specific kind of way and went to meet up with you, um, at where you were going to be marching in the San Francisco pride parade with your organization, right? Did you mark with march with your organization, Correct. Equality yes. House at that time? Yes. Right, with the Equality House. You were living in a rainbow painted house in Kansas City. Uh, Topeka. Act- Topeka. Actually. I mean, I spent a lot of time in Kansas City, but I was in Topeka. <laughs> and we both I, I don't I don't think either of us anticipated the emotional reaction I was going to have to the experience, which I reflect on at length in my book. Um, but let's just say the internalized homophobia was externalized Ah, at the end of that experience directly toward you. 
<laughs> and it it just confirmed, you know, it's interesting how, like, why do we see what we see? Mm-hmm. And I really reflect on that a lot in my book about, like, how at the time when I was there, there were parts of it that I thought were really sweet and touching, uh, this big celebration of LGBTQ people. And specifically at that time, like the churches, like God loves everyone. We are all God's children, free mom hugs, all that. Uh, Actually, I think this predated the free mom hugs movement. But, you know, those sentiments Uh were really touching. But I could not get past images of, first of all, there were lots of penises. Which, <laughs> there, there was a, a many naked people. There, there were a lot of naked people, and I really couldn't get past some of the like BDSM and the like whips. And it's like a small portion of the community, which you know, if I went to Mardi Gras, the straights are like going wild with all that, and it's it's a scene that all kinds of people are into for a range of reasons. But I was just like had a very narrow view of that particular expression and channeled that and like sort of like extrapolated that into this is the sort of like bottom of the slippery slope of (laughs) LGBTQ dignity. Like you start with a church saying God loves everyone and by the end of it, people are like tying each other up and whipping each other and, you know, Again, it's fine if people do that. It's also just not like it was a real adventure in seeing some images and being flooded with quotes from the Apostle Paul and Romans Mm -hmm. that were uh, used in abusive ways growing up and hearing these messages of how terrible gay people were and how we were all just debaucherous and... I got scared. Like I just got Mm -hmm. very scared Mm -hmm. and I, that fear sort of catapulted me into, I would say I regressed for a while. (laughs) I would say I regressed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of a, a Jesus quote here, uh, where, they ask him, uh, you know, to say he is God or he is the son of God. And he says, you have said it. And that's the phrase that comes to mind. <laughs> He's saying, I've regressed. I think you have said it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say yes, but I, I definitely it. regressed. Um, <laughs> and then it led to me breaking up our spiritual friendship at a pizzeria in Berkeley that night. You yeah. have said it. Yeah. <laughs> what what are your what was your experience of an initial pride? Yeah. Uh so who uh 2014 uh I am a month or sorry, a year and a month out of graduating from Bible college, leaving Columbia, South Carolina and having been you know, kicked out or uh, ghosted by every community, essentially, I'd ever been a part of, um, Mm -hmm. because most of those uh, were evangelical ministries and churches and that sort of thing. So um, I 
had been in Topeka, I was working for a, a nonprofit that had a you know significant LGBTQ advocacy portfolio. But um, because I was in Kansas, I didn't really have um, a large LGBTQ community. We we were out there and we were together, small but mighty. However, <laughs> um, you know, f- for example, uh, the organization that I was working for helped organize Topeka's first uh, Pride Festival. They they'd had some resource fairs in the past, but this resource was fairs. yes, the first time um, that you know they had anything really. Um, resources put into, um, you know, a day of gathering together. Um, and that was later that fall. So um, I, I had never been to any kind of pride celebration. I, at that point, I don't think I'd really even been to like a LGBTQ resource center. Mm. I, I'd been to events that the Equality House hosted. Like I went from never attending anything like this to hosting events. And so San Francisco huge. Yeah, uh, was, was my first one. It was the first time I'd ever been to San Francisco, mm-hmm. um, the Bay area period. And two, um, it was, it was my first event of any kind. So why not make it the largest wow. uh, <laughs> event? And so, I was kind of with you in the sense of feeling overwhelmed mm. um, by the the number of people, um, <laughs> the volume of the music. Like, I think large crowds of any variety are difficult. And I even had a few experiences on the BART, kind of in, like, the lead-up to that event, where it was very clear to me that um, San Francisco Pride is a lot more like... Mardi Gras Mm -hmm. in New Orleans than it is pride in um, any of the town, any of the cities that were like approximate to the ones I grew up, even Atlanta. Like I would say San Francisco pride is more like Mardi Gras than it is like Atlanta pride. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's for a few different reasons, which I think we'll get into. But um, what I'm kind of getting at is a lot of the naked people I saw were not even LGBTQ people. They were naked (laughs) straight. And so, um, meaningful. Yeah. Like that is an important data point because Mm -hmm. it is, it's a party. Like Mm -hmm. it is a week long party that culminates in this Mm -hmm. parade. Uh, so yeah, like it was a lot for me too. Mm. Um, and I think that at that point in my own journey, I was able uh, to be excited that there were so many different types of ways to be an LGBTQ person. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was what I was paying attention to mm-hmm. in the parade was you really had a full like ideological spectrum Mm. you know, and, and different kinds of orientations to what we were doing. Like I, I saw, um, you know, the Amazon, uh, contingent, I saw the Walmart contingent, and then mm. I saw, um, 
I, I participated in the Dyke March, which is like a anti-capitalist, uh, you know, <laughs> front. And so you had both people participating in pride. You had people protesting pride as it was happening, you know, queer and trans people themselves protesting pride. Mm-hmm. And um, it gave me, I, I really believe, like a representative range of mm. all of the different kinds of people and kinds of views that exist in this giant umbrella category. Mm. Um, I, I, apart from the heartbreak I experienced of in our <laughs> uh, situationship, I also left with... Um, a a sense of pride uh, specifically around this idea that our our community is not a monolith mm-hmm. um, there's as many different types of ways to be an lgbtq person as there are lgbtq people and so that mm-hmm. was that was my my kind of big um bright spot <laughs> from uh, that weekend was like huh, like we're out here and we have been out here and i was really taken and, and we'll get more into the things that I do like about Pride after we tear it down in a bit here. <laughs> um, and that is, it's inherently intergenerational. I do love that. Yes. Like, there's baby, fresh babies out mm-hmm. at Pride. Uh, and um, our, the, our elders in the community mm-hmm. are also out at Pride. Mm-hmm. And um, that is something, that's like a very moving, or it's very moving imagery to me Mm -hmm. um and it's something that i feel like we do get every june Mm -hmm. i have i have shed some tears over that at many times like Mm -hmm. good healthy grateful tears Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of beautiful things about it and i think it's it's worth mentioning around um the backlash to pride that we often attack those we're sort of closest to in some way meaningful way uh around sensitive topics because Mm. we hope for more for them. We want more for them. We feel a closer connection to them. And so I think like, there's no doubt that most LGBTQ people, at least in the United States would say the world is much better now than it was several decades ago Mm -hmm. and a safer place for them. Even if they quickly want to say, and it's still really, there's still a lot of trauma and there's Mm -hmm. still countless communities where people are physically unsafe, emotionally unsafe, uh, subjected to psychological violence and trauma, you know? So I think we, we move so fast to that. And I think some of it is there's a gap because it seems like people in really progressive cities and a lot of straight people who have come to celebrate at least gay relationships you know, mm-hmm. visibly same-sex relationships, even if it's unconsciously a certain kind. Um, a, a lot of those people will be like, oh, it's, we've arrived. Like, mm-hmm. we have LGBTQ qualities, kind of like when Obama was elected. And they were like, okay, mm-hmm. we're in a post-racist society. Like, we have a black president. And mm-hmm. uh, black folks were like, hey, they're still just like, this is a wildly mm-hmm. um, unsafe place to be Mm -hmm. and we haven't even begun to reckon with all the trauma and all the damage and so I think that's where we are a little bit and I want to talk specifically for a little bit at the beginning about 
what people refer to as corporate pride mm-hmm. and how just sort of this, like when people think pride, I think so many people, the first things that come to mind for me at least, and I think this may be true of a lot of people in society are, um, a lot of rainbows everywhere mm-hmm. um, <laughs> on buildings, capital one, uh, rainbow cereal boxes, like just rainbows everywhere. Um, and then they also think of like Salesforce having a rainbow float. Um, and I think people think like being a part of that and showing up for that is like support for the LGBTQ community. And it's not, not support. Um, and I think there could be a gap for those people when they hear outrage about corporate pride or that or that expression of pride because they're like we're being supportive we've moved we're championing you what the heck Mm -hmm. why are you so ungrateful so i thought you might be a good person to just first break down why that even what's going on there like why why is there outrage yes (laughs) uh i think in order to answer that question we have to we have to go back we have to go back to the vault uh and think about uh the LGBTQ movement historically, and we have to think about the origins of pride. And um, I, I think in a at least contemporary sense, it's not that there wasn't like LGBTQ-ness showing up, uh, you know, in antiquity, but we're just going to go ahead and <laughs> locate this as, as a uh, concerted movement. So LGBTQ pride as it pertains um, to uh, the historical and like visible fight uh, for rights and dignity um, I like of, it. of queer and trans people. So um, we're going to go back, uh, you know, starting like in the 50s where we know um, riots and protests were beginning, uh, specifically around uh, police forces um, surveilling and targeting LGBTQ people mm-hmm. um, and arresting them um, because um, to be an LGBTQ person, specifically uh, to be a gender nonconforming person or, um, you know, a specifically like a, a, a man attracted to men or man who would have sex with men, that was a criminal offense. So you have police... Um, you know, prancing around, just <laughs> throwing us in jail, mm-hmm. beating us up, and people started to fight back. Um, you know, there were at least a few different incidences and, you know, responses from the community before the Stonewall riots uh, in the late 60s, but that is sort of the moment, right, that people look back at historically and say, like, okay, this is, <laughs> this is when the party got started. And um, for years, you know, that was what the movement looked like. It was protest. It was riots. It was marches. It was rallies. And you have um, networks emerge like uh, the Gay Liberation Front. You have um, STAR, uh, which was formed by Marsha P. Johnson and uh, Sylvia Rivera. You have ACT UP. You have groups that were... Uh, definitively anti-capitalist and in um, clear solidarity with other global liberation movements 
uh, including um, groups like the Black Panther Party. And so that's where pride starts <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in, in that kind of space with that kind of ethos. And um, over time, uh, the tune changes in part mm-hmm. because <laughs> many of these leaders are killed, mm-hmm. um, whether that's because of direct homophobic uh, homicide or um, the government's negligence and blatant prejudice and its response to the HIV AIDS epidemic. Um, But um, beyond that, it was also uh, because, again, a diverse movement, you know, is emerging and um, (laughs) extending. And many people in that movement felt like um, if we could look at gayness and make it... uh, some kind of normative version of that, um, it, it would track better in the mainstream. Uh, so we go from gay liberation into gay rights. And when that still was struggling to reach a critical mass, we move into uh, the family branding of the LGBTQ movement. And so that's how we get uh, messages catch. like... Love is love. Mm-hmm. Love makes a family. Mm-hmm. Um, in different phrases like that. Uh, so, th- also, thank you for bearing with me. Um, I'm here for it. <laughs> um, at, at this point, at the love is love point, um, we start getting uh, dozens of corporations and uh, public officials um, on board. We have companies like Disney like Delta Airlines, like AT&T, who at that point had already been extending benefits to same-sex partners um, and expressing their support of the LGBTQ community internally, um, who want to be more public about their support. So that's when they start sponsoring and joining the big citywide Uh, parades and celebrations. And this gesture um, becomes really common. And back, you know, to what you and I referenced in San Francisco, we have Walmart, you know, we have Amazon, Um, these kinds of corporations, the monsters, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on contingencies in parades that are over 500 people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like this very much becomes a performance. Um, it very much comes under these uh, companies' corporate social responsibility portfolio. And once that happens, um, then you have groups who are doing this exclusively for the PR. Um, they're, they're doing it exclusively to get on HRC's uh, good side and to be ranked highly on their annual business index, mm-hmm. um, which I, I would pause. I appreciate HRC's business index, but I also know that that is a, um, it, it can work two ways, right? Like it incentivizes businesses to become better about LGBTQ stuff and it incentivizes businesses to just check boxes about mm-hmm. doing 
right by the LGBTQ community. So, um, yeah, um, this is, in my opinion, a lot of the reason uh, why there is (laughs) it's contentious. Like corporate pride Mm -hmm. is contentious because as these companies are doing this, um, it's not uncommon for them to have other uh, really poor practices, not just to LGBTQ people, but other uh, marginalized uh, communities. And I think specifically in San Francisco, when you have these tech giants who have mm-hmm. um, displaced thousands of people, especially LGBTQ people, especially trans and gender nonconforming people, it's really hard to believe like Salesforce is really out here caring about us when they're the reason um, you know, that they're at least a part of the reason in San Francisco why uh, chronic poverty continues to be something our community faces. So Mm -hmm. um, among other things, that is a reason why there is warranted rage toward LGBTQ corporate pride. Um, Mm. Would you add anything to that? that That was a great summary. There are a few different threads I want to pull out here. I'm trying to think of which one to start with. Okay, I'm going to put this as a book, as something I want to get to in a moment, so my digression doesn't lead us too far away. I want to get to what can various communities do. Some of those might be corporate. Some of them might be small bootstrap companies. Some might be church ladies. But just what can various communities do to actually show up in supportive ways for LGBTQ people in general, and then also specifically when it comes to Pride Month and they're wanting to show their solidarity. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I want to talk a little bit about the divide between sort of like the radical queer liberation and you see this all throughout our our queer history. Like anytime you're reading it, you hear about like just like it was just nonstop fighting, right? <laughs> sort of fight between respectability <laughs> politics and liberation yes. is a never yes. ending battle that is not new. Right. And um, I want to say that the hard part about the so I disagree with the argument of like. Well, let's just show them we're just like them and mm. then and then they'll accept us because I disagree with that because for a lot of reasons, but what's hard is that they're not wrong. Like sure. that yeah. that yep. model has one the kind of empathy, not the kind of empathy, but the scope of empathy in terms of numbers of people who have changed their mind and shifted. Yes. To broader LGBTQ acceptance. Yes. And it's not unlike I'm just going to touch on a very hot tender subject briefly, but we are seeing a sort of like outpouring of love and support for Ukrainian refugees. Yes. And something I've never seen before. I was in Texas recently and driving down the highway, like I saw as many massive Ukrainian flags flying in the air as I did Texas flags and United and American flags. Like, wow. It was wild. And I was just like, I'm not un- – I'm glad to see that vulnerable people are being – there's a lot of empathy for them and, and an outcry yes. of support. And it's just – I mean it's it's very clear that we have not seen anything like this kind of empathy and outcry 
uh, over decades of a, a massive refugee crisis in the Middle East, uh, which we caused. And maybe that's part of why we haven't seen it. But you also can't help but wonder if part of it is because of uh, many of those, many of the refugees in the Middle East are Muslim. Many of them are brown. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Syrians, Palestinians. Um, and of course, like we're on the side of the aggressor in many of those situations. So, but I, I say, I say that to say, you know, a lot of what I've heard in empathy for Ukrainian refugees is like people like, Oh, I just saw this little boy and he had blonde hair and just these big blue eyes. And he just, he looked just like my little Michael. And I just, (laughs) I just thought, you know, I can't imagine my little Michael having to sleep on, on a, on a bus. And it's like, um, so there is a sense in which we have a failure to be able to empathize with people who don't look like us, who don't believe like us or think like us, mm-hmm. or who, we, uh, who make us feel uncomfortable because of their difference. So the strategy of let's, let's blend in and be mm-hmm. as much like the majority dominant culture as possible makes sense. And also what that leaves us with is people who can empathize with a certain kind of refugee and not a different kind of refugee, a certain kind of queer person and not another kind of queer person. And so that doesn't actually lead to um, relieving the suffering in the world, right? especially among the most vulnerable, like the queer outliers, the queer uh, with – very marginalized identities, the yes. refugee who is a religious minority, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's some of what we're seeing too with the backlash to pride is it seems like the pride is for a certain kind of expression of gayness specifically. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. It's probably most comfortable for people And at the same time, what we're really wanting to see in terms of LGBTQ dignity and freedom is for the trans person in a red state Mm -hmm. to be truly celebrated Mm -hmm. and truly like delighted in and supported and wanted on the sports team and wanted and to have the best friends to go to the bathroom with, to get to go like giggle and share with like girl, like girls do, you know? Mm -hmm. And we're just so far from that, that I think it, we feel that so acutely if we're really connected to, uh, the, the range of queer people in our, in our communities, we feel that so acutely that we just express outrage. Mm -hmm. And I think, people don't understand because they're like, Mm -hmm. but we're flying rainbow flags. I'm confused. And so I just kind of wanted to break some of that down because it, we're missing each other and this is a critical time to be missing each other in such big ways. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, what I feel like what really stands out to me in your reflection is this, the the tale is all the time, you know, respectability politics kind of like versus liberation. And um, I don't ever think that somebody who is um, kind of representing uh, that sort of like, quote unquote, like good gay um, image 
um, the most palatable image, mm-hmm. the most, again, quote unquote, respectable image is ever doing that on like a fully conscious basis. Like, I mean, they might even make statements explicitly like I'm, I'm a good gay or like I'm a <laughs> good trans, you know, and that's a bad one. But I don't, I don't think, a, I'll say it this way. I don't think assimilation is like a fully conscious, deliberate choice that mm-hmm. people make. Um, I don't think it is always and exclusively the net result of internalized homophobia or internalized transphobia. I, I think it's very hard to tease out um, mm-hmm. because I, I do what I want for most people. When I think about liberation, I think about agency. I think mm-hmm. about people having the ability to choose um, a, a life that is safe and healthy for themselves. And I think for some people, like, that's going to look like, kind of like the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is what you stated. Like, when looking like the mainstream is the only path um, to safety, mm-hmm. is the only path um, toward health and wellness. And, mm-hmm. and so I think there are big ways that corporate pride really um, uh, entrenches uh, this idea of celebrating some LGBTQ people and continuing to exclude others. Um, And that, yeah, that is a big problem. And it's something that I hope that pride celebrations both (laughs) this year and all the years forward uh, work harder to interrogate, you know, and, and just really to ask like who who's not here who's being left out who isn't being served um you know by this kind of way of being together um mm-hmm. those are those are the questions i would have um i'm also interested though in kind of looking at this um from the question of um what role parties play in our freedom (laughs) Mm. because i i think it's very easy to like live in the rage space Mm -hmm. um again warranted fully warranted Mm -hmm. it's also easy to live in the um detached more like aloof unconcerned space about it all Mm -hmm. um But I wonder what we're missing because pride, again, as we see them in their commercial sense, are is a party. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's it's parades, it's music, it's rainbow tutus, and Mm -hmm. a lot of graphic tees. Um, Mm -hmm. It's there are children, there are elders. and there's a lot of cake, um, <laughs> so much rainbow cake. So mm-hmm. Funfetti mm-hmm. is Funfetti. personally my favorite cake, and there is a lot of it during June. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big fan of that. And I think that if we focus so much um, on our 
our setbacks and how far we have to go Mm -hmm. and the onslaught of anti-trans bills and the onslaught of uh, attacks on uh, (laughs) comprehensive sex education and any kind of information about gender identity or sexual orientation. Um, the, The step toward despair is not far away. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people out there trying to get us and they've been trying to get us for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And one of the best forms of resistance is joy. And that doesn't mm-hmm. mean happiness. That doesn't mean you pretend that like the problems that are here are not here. It just means that you choose uh, to to find ways to celebrate the things that you can celebrate. And Mm -hmm. um, this was true even Mm -hmm. pre-Stonewall. There were parties. We've been having parties for a very long time. And Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think it's, yeah, it's not just pleasure for the sake of pleasure, fun for the sake of fun, delight for the sake of fun, like, Pleasure, delight, and fun are all a part of resistance movements. And I think people need to remember that. That, Mm -hmm. like, it's not just okay. It is necessary for you to go out and have a good time. Um, It's the only way um, that this work and these, like, resistance movements are sustainable. So Mm -hmm. did just want to make sure I said that. Thank Um, you for that testimony. (laughs) Thank you for the testimony. It's so true. I feel personally uplifted by that. And I know it's true. Like we can get, we can really, we're, we're so given to despair and it is worse than homophobia. You know, it will, it will absolutely steal. It will just, steal our joy and steal our lives. And, um, I would love for all of us to have a posture of thank you. Welcome to our party. There is much more. You're, you're beginning your journey. We're so excited you're here. There's more to talk about. There's more, here's a podcast to listen to. Here's a little pamphlet to read. (laughs) And, I'm so glad you're here. Let's have some cake. You know, like we, I would like to see us being more hospitable toward those who do want to show their support because Mm -hmm. it's coming from a genuine, many, the, many of these individuals is coming from a genuine place of care. Mm -hmm. And you know, we are in a capitalist society. Like we aren't going to, change that by screaming at people who wear a rainbow shirt. (laughs) So I think we just could really stand to parse out what is a helpful way of working toward the overall kind of social change and equality we want to see that is uh, at a mass, like, you know, like a, a, it's going to take a massive overhaul. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what are, the micro changes that have added up in meaningful ways that have made life right. bearable for, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of people more bearable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how can we show joy about that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also to your point, 
I I do think we just need to be celebrating more. And Uh like, (laughs) it's, we just need to be like, I see like your, I've used to see you and your little friends go, uh, do like gay karaoke night. (laughs) Oh, rest assured. They are still doing it in Atlanta (laughs) every Wednesday. And I was like, I love this so much. It's just every Wednesday, go sing at Mary's. Yeah. And it's like, we all get together and, you know, people are so, complain so much and are always finding things to criticize and there's always something wrong. And like, life is too short and we're still here. Like, go sing with your friends at Mary's. Yes. Yes. One thousand percent. Um, I love what you said about thinking about, um, the extending hospitality, Mm. um, like pride as an extension of LGBTQ hospitality. I've never really put that together, but it is such an important lens, Mm -hmm. um, for countless reasons. So thank you for saying that. I wrote it down because I want to think about it more. Um, And what that brought to mind to me um, was a couple years ago um, when one Taylor Swift uh, released. Oh. Uh, yes. What, what is it? You need to calm down. Is that you what that song's called? Down. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and the video for it. And I remember so much queer outrage granted like outrage. This, this is my community like these are the people i follow on social media the overwhelming response people had was uh negative yeah and i believe that there are pieces of the critique that people expressed that are fully warranted um and and the, most of those critiques are connected to power and privilege and what it means for an artist, a mainstream pop artist like Taylor Swift, um, to release this sort of anthem and to include the visuals um, that were represented in the music video. Mm-hmm. Um, and put a pin in the fact that a lot of those critiques uh, rested on the assumption that Taylor Swift is a cisgender heterosexual person, which I think is patently false. (laughs) Um, But uh, the other parts of it, you know, basically what they were um, upset about was that Taylor Swift is sort of like the music representation of corporate pride. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And again, for all the reasons we have already talked about there being problems with corporate pride, I do think that a lot of these um, responses um, are really removed from the day-to-day realities of what it means to be safer because um, gender and sexual diversity is being um, highlighted as a good Mm -hmm. thing worth celebrating. Mm -hmm. And... I, you know, personally loved the cast of the You Need mm-hmm. to Calm Down video. I loved the costumes. I loved um, <laughs> the uh, production design. Like, mm-hmm. I, those were all things that, like, were really pleasant to me and I appreciated. And, again, 
my assumption kind of looking at that piece of art is this is not a heterosexual person like <laughs> there there is just no way mm-hmm. <laughs> for me that that is my interpretation i'm willing to uh qualify that on another podcast but um still i think that all of this is to say um that there is a correlation um between corporate or mainstream support uh and and safety um mm-hmm. and that cannot be lost yeah um my word on, on us i I don't want it to be the only path. I don't want it to be the only way that that's true. But, um, yeah, like as somebody who, like I grew up in North Florida, you know, in Alabama, South Carolina, Georgia. Uh, it wasn't until 2012 that I saw a rainbow flag flying, mm. like out in public. Mm. And if the corporations, you know, that had any type of presence in the towns and cities I was living, um, had done a better job of expressing, you know, their company's, um, you know, positional statement on the LGBTQ community, I think I would have had an easier life. Mm-hmm. I, I think I would have been able to picture a future mm-hmm. for myself. Yeah. And to this very day, um, we should have another conversation about the way that you and me orient to the future. <laughs> I, I think a part of my, my um, struggle, you know, the growth edge I have around picturing a future at all mm-hmm. is because I spent most of my life imagining that it wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. Wow. I had, I had no vision for what life could look like for me as an adult because I had no representation of that, you wow. know, uh, as, as a young person. And, um, uh, yeah, like, so wow, yeah, that's why I can't be fully mad at corporate pride. Cause mm-hmm. I like it, it, it means something to me. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean everything, but mm-hmm. it means something. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I'll share one last story. Uh, about this sort of thing um, because I moved to Los Angeles last year. I like to listen to the radio, um, not just because I love top 40 music, hmm. but because to me it's representative of where society is mm-hmm. um, okay. and you know, what kinds of themes are resonating like with the culture. Like That is a question I feel like you can hear if you listen to top 40 radio. And there I am driving down the highway and I hear um, iHeartRadio Media Spot, um, which is basically this declaration from this company that they are wishing all LGBTQ plus people a happy, safe and healthy Pride Month and that iHeartRadio Media is fully supportive Uh, and proud, you know, of LGBTQ people kind of cast broadly. And it's like being presented in sort of your traditional, like, radio speaking voice. Mm -hmm. And 
I started crying. Oh my God, I adore you. <laughs> and, and I started crying because oh. I, one, like, I just was not prepared for this like message, <laughs> you know, for this mm-hmm. sort of like PSA style <laughs> spot uh-huh. from like this. I mean, and for people who don't know, iHeartRadio basically runs the radio uh, in uh. in the United States. Like it is the company that like syndicates like every program, like they are the broker of, um, you know, American radio. Mm -hmm. And, um, (laughs) and I thought like, Oh my gosh, like what would like 13 year old me is who heard Mm -hmm. that commercial. And Mm -hmm. that 13 year old me was who was crying. Definitely. When when that moment happened, because I just like I cannot even begin to imagine mm-hmm. the difference um, it would have made for me, you know, as as a middle schooler mm-hmm. to just know um, that there there was a life possible for me where where I could be healthy and I could be happy and mm-hmm. I could be whole, and that would not require that I you know wish a race or pray myself away to mm-hmm. do that. So. Yeah, that's a word. I I relate to that. I definitely catch myself weeping upon very small gestures (laughs) of support for us because it's just important to take a step back sometimes. Like take a step back from that that tweet thread that made you think about something in a new way that was helpful, and just look at what how beautiful it is. Um, to see an outpouring of a su- uh, support for us from so many and an imperfect outpouring of support and a lot of room to grow and also support that many of us grew up um, ha- having absolutely no right ta- like taste of whatsoever, no right. conception of. Yeah. And so I, I really love that. Um, I was also going to say on your Taylor point, the Taylor Swift point, um, (laughs) I think about how many young people, like there's a political battle going on about trans people specifically right now, trans young people and students. And so they are definitely being targeted. It is not safe for Mm -hmm. specifically trans people to be themselves in most places. And at the same time, you also hear a lot of actual young people showing support for their peers, straight kids showing support for their peers. And I think a lot of that is because of they hear these Taylor Swift songs, they see this representation, and they're like, yeah, that's cool. Yes. Also, my friend Mikey, who now is going by Haley, is awesome, and I can love her and also still be my full cool self and like there's just more of a sense of freedom among youth to show that love and support that I think is largely due to these grand gestures that we might be quick to denounce because they're because people are trying to be purists when really like we're we are experiencing significant social change and the work will never be over but we can celebrate that kind of change yes yes cosine wow Wow. We're probably going to have to have many more conversations about pride. 
Yeah. Uh, between now and the end of June and beyond. Uh, but this has been a fun start to it, Miles. You're so insightful. I think the same of you. I look forward to chatting some more about it and we can um, circle back, you know, to some of some of the pins we put in this conversation <laughs> because there, there's a lot more. Happy Pride. Thank you. Happy Pride <laughs> to you. All right. Bye, everybody.